Today is December 24th. Today is the eve upon which children around the world hold their breath with anticipation. Their hearts burning with expectation. They can hardly wait for all the glory of Christmas morning to be unveiled. Tomorrow, as dusk finally gives way to dawn, as the stars at last bow down before the sun, all that has been hidden will be revealed. Cards will be opened. Stockings will be emptied. Packages will be unwrapped. The contents of all gifts will be disclosed for what they are. All that has been given will be received. And hopefully, somewhere along the way, either in person or by means of a handwritten note or text, we will, as our parents taught us to do, we will say thank you. But outside of this obligatory, this customary expression of gratitude, our tendency will be to put more emphasis on, to pay more attention to the gift rather than the giver. Whether we get what we want or don't, either in celebration of triumph or our wallowing in disappointment, we can forget and often do overlook the one to whom the gift points. When this happens, when we do this, frankly, we are missing the point of gift giving. Gifts are an invitation into a confirmation of a relationship with another person. The giving of a present is an affirmation of the presence of another person in our life, that he or she notices us, cares about our well-being, desires to bring us joy. That's the reason we're gathered here tonight, or at least it should be, to remember that Christmas itself is a gift, to acknowledge and celebrate that Christmas only exists because there is a giver. Christmas is both an invitation and an affirmation from our creator, God, our father, that he notices us, that he cares about our well-being that he desires to bring us joy through the giving to us of his son, Jesus Christ. For some of us, tonight might be like the experience of having opened all your presents and then discovering one you missed, one you didn't notice, perhaps the best present of them all, still sitting there waiting with your name on it. Tonight might be the first time that you ever realize that Jesus is a gift for you. Most embrace this gift of Jesus, and even those who don't have to admit they admire the packaging. I mean, after all, who doesn't want peace on earth and goodwill to men? I mean, who doesn't love babies, especially babies that are sleeping? But that's the thing. Even those of us who have embraced the gift of Jesus haven't gone much farther than the wrapping and the trim. We've received the present that is Jesus without opening the gift of Jesus, without experiencing the presence of Christ. So tonight, I'd like to change that. I'd like to offer us the opportunity to get past the paper and string, the straw and the hay, and encounter the person of Christ. 
Because thanks to gospels like Mark, we don't have to wonder like those who first encountered the baby in Bethlehem what this child will grow up to be like. We don't have to wait to find out what makes this Jesus so special. What makes this Jesus the first and greatest gift of Christmas? So allow me to read to you from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. You can follow along in the Bible that's there in the pew, or if you'd prefer, just close your eyes and listen. But I'm reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, starting with verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Once again, beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I know that reading from the Gospel of Mark, particularly this story, is not a typical Christmas Eve passage. But for me, this particular window that Mark gives us into Jesus is especially insightful because I think it's reflective of how and when we generally engage Jesus after December 25th. I mean, we show up for the birth announcement and pay our respects. Maybe we bring a gift, a donation, make a contribution in Jesus' name. But after that, most of us aren't back here until this child is dead. I don't mean to be rude in saying that, just honest. It's a morbid thought, I know. But can't we admit it's true? The biggest crowds always come for the birth and then the funeral. The next time we'll all be together like this, not just here, but around the world, the next time we'll all be together like this is at Jesus' memorial service as we gather around his tomb with the rest of the mourners and start hearing whispers of resurrection. Until then... We leave Jesus just the way we find him, asleep. And ironically, that's where we find Jesus in this story from Mark, sound asleep. Meanwhile, just like the disciples, we get into our boats and head out. We move on with our lives. We go forth into whatever form of existence we've carved out for ourselves. Everybody's boat, everyone's mode of transportation is different. The disciples, most of them were seasoned fishermen. That was their stock and trade. Being on the Sea of Galilee was like another day at the office. For them, it was their routine. Day to day, we're no different. We go to work. We find our niche, becoming creatures of habit, going to, going with what we know, where we have prior experience, wherever we've developed some expertise. But like the disciples, we're making our way on the sea. The sea is a repeated metaphor in scripture representing the chaos and disorder of our existence. We make our way in the world on the sea of life, on waters that carry us, but that are often uncertain, not always predictable, 
that sometimes can become violent and unsettling. Despite this, we go forth out there into the darkness of the sea on our own, depending, trusting in our own ability, our own skills and experience to navigate the deep and sometimes murky waters that lie ahead. We are content, sometimes even defiant in charting our own course, steering our own ship, come what may. And every now and again, the weather does change. The Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long and eight miles wide. Sitting in a valley, the wind easily whips up and you can find yourself caught in a squall before you even know it. The storms often come in our lives suddenly and without notice too. The clouds come in. The temperature drops. The pressure builds. The rains come. The waves pick up and things start to get a little shaky. Still, we press on. Undaunted, unafraid, unyielding, we take on the storm. What harm can a little rain and a couple of breakers do? We're determined. We're self-sufficient. We're evolved. We've got our sea legs. We apply proven crisis management techniques, convinced we can bail ourselves out of this one just like we've done a thousand times before. But sometimes, sometimes, there are those moments when things get out of hand. Sometimes the elements in our life take a turn, come together in a way that we didn't expect, that, that we couldn't have anticipated. Sometimes forces in our lives can seem to feed off of each other and so increase, so prolong the intensity of the tempest that we're facing, we might even start to suspect some kind of supernatural conspiracy. It was a common belief back in the time that Mark was writing, that the dark powers, evil itself, dwelled in the deep, in the waters of the sea. For the disciples, as the wind howls louder, as the water comes at them from both above and below, as they are sinking into the abyss, it's as if creation itself is coming apart and the devil is rising. They are certain they are going to drown. For us too. When the power of the storm overtakes us, when our world looks like it is tearing apart at the seams, when all at once we feel small, helpless, mortal, when it seems like we're staring death in the face, fear, fear can turn to panic. When the heavens are ripped open and the flooding begins, everybody wants in the ark. When tragedy strikes, when we find ourselves overwhelmed out of our depth, we show up here in the church. And like the disciples, we come as a last resort. We come frustrated and anxious. Suddenly, we're not okay that Jesus is asleep. We look up into heaven's eyes, shaking Jesus hard and shouting, Don't you see what's going on here? Don't you even care? It's clunky maybe even a bit rude, but it's a prayer. For some of us, it may be the very first prayer we ever pray. These may be the very first words we ever speak to this Jesus. And Jesus, immediately, without hesitation, without delay, answers us. He does not respond to our lack of faith, 
our last-minute desperation, so much as the peace within himself as he gets up and just speaks. He talks to the weather as if it were a misbehaving child, ordering the wind and the waves to stop, and instantly, all is calm. All is bright. Interestingly, the disciples aren't less afraid after Jesus gets involved. They're even more terrified. They're even more terrified by the silence Jesus brings. Like them, we're not used to the peace that Jesus brings, a calm so complete that it impacts not only the natural world, but our human nature too. We, we just wanted a hand up. We, we just wanted a little help. We just wanted to get through the storm. But Jesus changes the weather of our lives entirely. Darkness gives way to light. Thunder is swallowed up by silence. Bluster becomes stillness. And without all the background noise, the usual distractions of the storm, the chaos in our lives, we, like the disciples, face only one haunting question. Who is this? Or as we'll sing it together later on, what child is this? Such absolute quiet reveals how uncomfortable we are with coming face to face with the actual person of Jesus. How uncomfortable we are with coming face to face with the actual person of Jesus. Rather than the baby Jesus, we can move around in the manger scene of our lives as we see fit. Rather than the sleeping Jesus, who we try hard not to disturb as we seek to make our way in the world our way and on our terms. Maybe, maybe that's why we don't choose to unwrap the gift of Jesus at Christmas time. Sure, we like the packaging, what's on the label, peace on earth, goodwill to men, and all that, but we don't necessarily want to open all that up into our private affairs to actually have Jesus involved in the course of our lives. Yes, Jesus brings peace on earth, peace into our lives. But it's the kind of peace that unsettles us. It's the kind of peace that overturns and reorients the atmosphere of our existence. And the truth of this is not isolated to this passage here in Mark. The unsettling nature of the peace Jesus brings is also evident in the story that brings us here tonight, the story that we just read together, the story of the nativity. We need only pay attention to scripture to remember that the peace and goodwill of which we gleefully and whimsically express at parties with food and song came by way of a spiritual earthquake in the lives of real people. Putting aside sugary exhortations about tidings of comfort and joy aside for a moment, the news of Jesus' arrival confused Mary, caused Joseph to consider divorce, and provoked a madman King Herod to murder. That's the first Christmas. A bewildering, reorienting life experience. All is calm. All is bright. After a marriage has been rattled. A family has been exiled. And a town has been turned upside down by genocidal fury. Beloved, a peaceful voyage is not what we sign up for when we say yes to Jesus. But the journey can be peace-filled if we truly receive the gift of Jesus. 
One interesting observation about this story that also helps us appreciate the deeper meaning of the gift of Jesus is that contrary to how we often tell this tale, contrary to how we actually frame the whole of the Christmas story, the coming of Jesus is not a vaccination from the painful realities, the squalls of this life. Do we notice that the storm came even though Jesus was on board? We live in a beautiful, creative, but still broken, imperfect, and stormy world. The message of the manger in Bethlehem and the boat on the Sea of Galilee is not when troubles come our way, all we need to do is turn them over to Jesus and let him work a miracle. Knowing Jesus does not exempt us from those terrifying phone calls in the middle of the night. Knowing Jesus does not exempt us from those devastating revelations of betrayal and unfaithfulness by those whom we love. Knowing Jesus does not exempt us from those piercing and crippling words that remain like splinters under our skin. The weather system didn't change just because Jesus was in the hull of the boat. Sickness, terminal illness will strike us. Companies unexpectedly will be downsized. We will struggle and sometimes even fail classes at school. We will lose friends. We will not always be able to make our ends meet. In other words, receiving the gift of Jesus isn't about looking at the storms in our lives and reaching out to touch Jesus so they'll all just go away. We ought to notice that very expectation upset Jesus, caused Jesus to question the very faith of those who thought that's what he should do. Knowing Jesus isn't like having a fire extinguisher behind glass that we only break in case of an emergency. Jesus isn't a good luck charm, a rabbit foot that we rub when we want to get out of a jam. Jesus isn't Santa Claus either, telling us to sit on his lap to give him our list of demands and then dropping gifts down our chimney, leaving them in our stockings and under a tree, provided we've been good for goodness sake. Knowing Jesus is all well and good, but it is engaging Jesus, unwrapping more than the idea, but the person of Jesus, being in relationship with Jesus. That's what matters because the magic and the mystery of Christmas, the profound revelation of this encounter shared by Mark is that Jesus is the giver who becomes the gift. Jesus is the giver who becomes the gift. The one who comes to us, not condemning us for our childishness and inadequacy, but who comes alongside us, who humbles himself to grow with us. The truth is, we need more than just another gift at Christmas. We need the giver to become the gift for us. We need someone to walk through the storms with us. And not just anyone. We need the one who can give us the faith and the love not to simply endure, but to be more than conquerors, whatever life sends our way. And the only one, the only one who can do that is the one who gives us life the one who can save our life no matter what the weather report, the one named Jesus. Jesus, the giver who becomes the gift of salvation. The gift of salvation is inseparable from the giver of salvation. Jesus not only brings the light, hope into the darkness, Jesus 
is the light, the hope that fully enters into our darkness. Jesus knows our darkness. He's consumed by it so he can break through it. Jesus is the giver who becomes the gift, the one who dies for us, the one who is always victorious over the powers of the deep, sin, sickness, evil, and death, the one who one day promises to return and finally bring us home. A peaceful voyage is not what we sign up for when we say yes to Jesus. But the journey can be peace-filled when we remember that God is on the journey with us. Receiving the giver, the person of Jesus, opening the gift, the presence of Jesus in our lives means inviting Jesus into all the chaos around us. It means recognizing and acknowledging that he's in our boat already. It means listening and following him, worshipfully bowing down before him, just like the wind and the waves. So beloved, let's sit together in the dark. Let's sit together in the dark and look towards the light, the light that's come into the darkness, the light of God's life-giving love shining in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the light of the birth of Christmas that looks towards the light of the resurrection of Easter. If we hold on to the light, if we seek it, follow it, if we depend upon Jesus, no storm, no darkness will overcome us. Together, let us remember how two worlds first collided. Let us celebrate how once upon a midnight clear, heaven and earth intersected as the word became flesh. Let us rejoice, marvel in the juxtaposition of the limitless riches of eternity being reflected through the shining of a star aligned with the limited means of an ordinary stable. Let us let the knowledge that God became man the noble power of the Most High expressed itself through the humble peace of an infant sleeping. Take our breath away. And may we, like children, eagerly unwrap the first and greatest gift of Christmas, the giver who becomes the gift of salvation, Jesus Christ. In him, with him, and through him, all is calm. All is bright. Merry Christmas.